Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time it is, we appreciate you tuning in on our next episode of Society Rewired. In anticipation of National Public Safety Telecommunicators Week, we interview Talon Worley, a 911 operator. Talon is the first voice you hear when you dial 911 and he shares what it's like fielding emergency calls on a daily basis and the constant challenges a high-pressure role of being an emergency responder creates. Often these are the individuals that you that are overlooked and are underappreciated in our emergency response system. So get ready for an incredible episode coming up here. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more and staying up to date on Society Rewired, do us a favor and make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or whichever streaming platform you prefer. It gets us in front of more listeners, which allows us to get new guests to be part of the show. So also check us out on all social media platforms using the handle at Society Rewired. We greatly appreciate your support. Before diving in, we want to make sure to thank our sponsors as well. Rayfeld's Art and Framing, located in downtown Sioux Falls, South Dakota, one of the premier art galleries in the Midwest. Make sure to stop in and check out their new location on Phillips near the Falls or online at rayfeldsonline.com. Laura Hayes Communications is your first choice if you're looking for professional development. With live online workshops, speaking engagements, and consulting you can't go wrong, check out the website at laurahayes.com. Audio Visual Integrations has all your latest technologies to meet your commercial audio video needs. Check them out online at foss-avi.com. Rocky Hayes Design, if you're looking for graphic design, website development, or business development resources, make sure to give them a call or check them out online at rockyhayes.com. And of course, last but certainly not least, our affiliate organization, Survivors Joining for Hope. SJ4H is here to help families financially after they've lost a loved one by suicide. They help cover unexpected expenses such as funeral costs, burial fees, grief counseling, and much more. Check them out online at sj4h.org or on all social media platforms. Now, let's get things rolling with Society Rewired. Welcome to Society Rewired. I am your host, Brad Hurst. With me, as always, I'm not going to give an introduction. Yeah, I say every time I make him laugh. So it's <laughs> the anticipation of how he's going to intro yeah. me is always like insert random sports analogy here. Jerry Cook. <laughs> Welcome, hi Brad. Yeah, how what's are you up, doing? Jerry? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good, man. <laughs> uh, with us, the magnificent bearded. Talon Worley. Welcome, Talon. How's hey it going? Uh, I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me. Jerry, Brad, good to see you guys again. Good to see good you, man. You. Appreciate having me. I here. agree. This beard is magnificent. Thank you. It is. How long have you been growing it for? Oh, man. So the last time I actually shaved with a razor was November of 2015. And then I made it about two years. And then after that, I trim it about once a year ever since. So I feel like you need about, a trophy after you get to a certain time. about five years since, uh, since my face has seen a razor. If you hit 10 years, I think... I think you get a trophy. It's got to be some sort a of a plaque. Right. Like United Way, they have the plaques where it's like you get the every year right? you make a donation. Oh, yeah. I think we should have like an every year Talon doesn't shave. He gets a little little attachment to his plaque. If I had any say in it, it would be for the rest of my life because I hate <laughs> shaving. So That's awesome, man. Thanks. <laughs> and so since, since you can't see him, he's got a beard that's... About what midway down yeah, his torso, my belly button probably. Yeah, we should yeah. describe right around it. There. Yeah, yeah. 
It's pretty it's a, awesome. It's a perfect Vikings beard. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's spot it's on. An homage it's to my powerful, Nordic ancestor. A powerful one. It makes you yeah. look powerful. Yes. Well, <laughs> I'm glad something does because it's not my muscles. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, that's so great. What would you do if you had to shave it? I'd probably just use a trimmer. I don't even think I would use a, a razor. I'm more emotionally. Just, like, oh, <laughs> emotionally? I would be lost. I would be, you'd be lost. Yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd see me just like in that scene from The Incredible Hulk. I'd just be walking along a highway with my thumb out. Just, <laughs> just, just playing that sad ride. piano is the, music. Is the beard a coping mechanism? It, it might be, you know? And after after the last five years, maybe it is. I just stress get to, you. Yeah. I actually, it. It's funny that you mentioned that. Actually, sometimes when I do get stressed, I realize I'm doing like that that pretty girl thing where I'm like twirling, twirling it in, in, my, in, my, in my finger. And I'm just like, oh, what am I doing? That's weird. It's a sign of talent's attraction to someone. When yeah. it does yeah. So if we're ever having a deep conversation, I start doing that, walk away. Yeah, it's time to leave. This it's is time, time to go. Leave. Cut things, talent off. Things got Shit's real. about to get real. Yeah. <laughs> we are done. No more. That's oh, hilarious. Love it. Love it. Jerry's like the exact opposite of Talon currently. Yeah. Now that I'm, I'm kind of kind of close. Yeah, it's kind of close. Well, I'm not really shaving either. Actually, I haven't used a rate like a, a razor for. I don't have the date down specifically, but it's been years because I get like ingrown hairs in my neck and stuff. So this is all like trimmer. Yeah. But it's you know on just the blade and then mm-hmm. like a it gets all irritated. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I, didn't, I hated using the blades too is because I would get the same thing, especially like on my my neck and yeah, my lower neck. jaw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's the worst. Yep. Yeah, so we are kind of opposite. You're sort of the big brawny beard, and I'm yeah. whatever whatever I am. I don't well, know. He's got fairly long hair on yeah, top, I too. Say, I just oh, yeah, have overall get... significant right. more hair. Right. <laughs> Everywhere. The option's awesome. Well, yeah. both of you guys do, though. You got it. You got, I mean, yours isn't long, no, Brad, I, but you have... I just shaved most of mine off, so it's. I had to, I took a. I trimmed it down to a three, and then it, but it was. Because it was. I mean, it wasn't Talon, but it was about two, three inches long. I mean, I could curl my mustache up like old school, like twirls. I don't know what that's the actually hand, even called. The handlebar? Is yeah, that what called? The handlebar? Like the 1920s bartender yeah, kind like of I could, like, my The barbershop quartet kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly can what it was. Can you sing, too? No, I can't oh. sing. You want to try? I can talk. I can't. <laughs> Do I want to try? It'd be kind of like false advertising <laughs> at that point. You'd be running around and you think, think yeah. that you're all... Yeah. You got a I great wasn't... voice, though. I mean, you're, you're doing a podcast, oh. so... Thank you. I don't, no one's ever told me I had a pretty voice. <laughs> I didn't say pretty. I said great. Oh, you said great? I thought you said pretty. Total. No. My bad. Yeah, very different. <laughs> yeah. Is this going to take a weird turn? It is going to take a very <laughs> weird turn. Society Rewired, the podcast. We're going to talk about shaving, <laughs> yeah. quartets, and... <laughs> How great my voice is. Oh, geez. No, we do focus on mental wellness, mental health. Uh, talk about the challenges that are faced in everyday's life, roles, families, professions, careers. And talent, you have a very unique uh, career that I think is often, you know, we think about the policemen, the firemen, the emergency uh, responders as far as ambulance and paramedics go. But you're kind of behind the scenes a little bit. Do you want to kind of, I guess, tell us a little about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, um I am a 911 dispatcher. My agency is the largest agency in the state. Um, I've been there for just a little over five years now. I have a position where I am in charge of training new recruits, uh, which is great. It's fun. I love it. And there's, I never knew that there would be this aspect of teaching you know, 911 to people. And uh, once that was kind of introduced to me, I really liked it. I'm also on our tactical team, which means I'll go out with our SWAT team if they, uh, if they get called out. Um, 911 is the 
so to speak, the first first responder. And like you said, it's often overlooked. Um, you know, you got to think you're you're at home and, you know, your wife or your husband or whoever starts having, you know, chest pains. And what's the first thing you do? You call 911, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. And so that's often overlooked is that um, in order for you to get that paramedic, in order for you to get that help you need, you need to call for it. You know, very rarely are they just going to be out walking around and, you know, they're in front of you when you need them. Very right. rarely does that happen. And so you got to call me up first. And then, you know, it's up to me to get the correct and necessary information that I need so I can make sure that I can help you the best that I can. And, you know, obviously some calls are easier than others. You know, medical calls are kind of a, um, its own, it's, its own challenge. Um, challenge. Yeah. It's its own, its own separate entity almost, but, um, it's, but, you know, just to reiterate, it's the first, first responder that, you know, like you said, it's often overlooked yeah. and it's, my job to make sure that you get the help that you need when you need it as soon as I can get it to you. Well, there's probably different classifications of calls too. Cause I mean, you know, you can call 911 for, I assume people call it for, you know, obviously something as minor as, I mean, there's animal control, but if I have, you know, wild animal in my yard, first instinct's just to dial 911. I'm sure you get kind of random, like spontaneous calls and you get all the way up to like hostage situations. So what, what kind of like spectrum, I guess, kind of, does that look like to you, I guess? Cause it's, you got to manage kind of your own mental, I guess, focus throughout the day, I would guess, based off the calls you get, what does, what does kind of a typical day of calls look like? So, uh, you're right, you're right on the, the head of the nail there. Um, we, you know, law enforcement, fire, EMS, um, animal control. And then, you know, we also take 911 calls for, you know, things that, arguably should not be not called 911 should not be called for you know um, if i um, if i lose my keys should i be calling 911 i would appreciate it if you did okay. jerry but i need a flu shot yeah but unfortunately <laughs> i can't tell you that you're wasting my time and i'll have to process that but a quick segue is i'm glad that you bring that up is another thing that a lot of people don't realize is when they call 911 is oh i can't find my keys or i'm blocked out of my car and stuff like that is they don't realize is that you're taking you're tying up a 911 line so when Jerry can't get into his car and he calls 911 and he's got me tied up, that means that when you, uh, when your son falls down the steps scene. and he's and he's got right. you know a massive laceration to his forehead and you know he's bleeding uncontrollably, yep. Jerry is keeping me from answering your call. Stop calling 911, yeah. Jerry. Yeah. So just a quick Notes to solve. That's yeah. the call to action. Hold on to your keys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> call to action. Stop, yeah, stop calling 911. Stop your car. <laughs> yeah. So just a quick sidebar. Yeah. So Man, people, that's two things I got to do. Stop locking and not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is just a quick sidebar. But yeah. So those are the spectrum of the calls that we take, and you know, and you have to have a switch. You got to be able to switch it off real quick. I. Um, in April of 2017 was a really heavy year for me. Um, April is sort of already um, a bad month for me anyways, just for personal reasons. And in that month, in uh, 10 days, in a span of 10 days, I took three hanging calls. And Ugh. I was only able to save one of those people. And then I started to feel good about myself because of that. And then I it's a medical call. Like I said, those are kind of its own separate beast. So I got considered non-compliant because I didn't verify the phone number that they were calling me from. So even mm. though I saved this life, I, you know, got a technical ding on my call taking procedure because I, I didn't do it, you know, up to right. national standards. So 
it's things like that where, you know, I, I take that call and, you know, I help that father cut his daughter down, get her on the floor, start CPR. They're able to get a pulse back by the time mm-hmm. that, you know, the fire department and the paramedics get there and they're able to load her up and take her to the hospital. I find out later that she ended up making it. And so, you know, I go from taking that high stress call and then the next time on one call I answer is my neighbor's dog won't shut up. Huh. You know, so you really got, right. you have to be able to switch from that super high stress where it's, okay, I need you to listen to exactly everything that I'm telling you right now so we can, so we can help her. Right. Listen to me so we can help her. Listen to me so we can help her. And then, you know, we start chest compressions. We're doing CPR, um, you know, the rescue breaths and all that. And then my responders get on scene and I'm able to disconnect. And then the very next call I take is my neighbor's dog is barking. So you got to be wow. able to have that quick snap to where it's just like, it's just like you really called nine one one for this. Do you have any idea what the call I took right before this was? You know, you, I can't do that. You know, right. I, as much as I want to, I can't. There's so. no venting to the client. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. no, you can't. And then so you know, and then you've got. Um, it's always the toughest ones for me are always the first party suicidal people. Sure, where uh, you have to figuratively and sometimes literally talk them back from the edge. You right. know. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, well, I have been very fortunate where I haven't had this call yet, but um, I've had uh, co-workers where, unfortunately, they answer the phone call and they give the address and they said, okay, well, what's the emergency? They said, there's been a suicide. And then you either you hear a loud noise or the line goes dead. And, yep. you know, that's, they have to live, like, there's so many other things where it's the last thing that that person ever did was tell me what they told me. And, you know, and it's just this emotional snowball and it really has the opportunity to really, you know, figuratively or literally set you over the edge as right. well. You know, like yeah. those, those are things that a lot of people don't think about It's the emotional support and the emotional distress that the dispatchers go through. Yep. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm not trying to take anything away from, you know, the act, like the first people on scene, you know, yep. the police officers to get there and they have to walk through the house and stuff. I don't want to take anything away from them. And I appreciate uh, their work as much as, um, as much as the next person, but it's, you have to be able to know your own limits as a person. And then you have to be able to manage your own stress where, right. you know, cause you can try to keep calling that person back and calling that person back, but they're not going to answer. And in and, and your heart, you know what has happened, yep. but you just got to keep trying. And, right. and that can really kind of tear people up. No, it's- Man, that's so like just even talking about it, you know, and like I don't I don't at any point think like you're trying to, you know, take away from like what the first responders, meaning the people on site, whether it's police, fire, whatever, but like. You know, just thinking about being in that position kind of makes my heart and anxiety level go up. Like, how would I deal with that? You know, not only the the sort of the two ends of the spectrum, but just even the fact of taking whether it's, you know, like we talked a little bit before um, we started recording, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a police officer that's, you know, in the middle of a fight or something's happening. Like, you know, you're you're there to help save their life, literally. And then if there's someone who is suicidal or a medical condition, like, you know, the intense pressure that's that's got to have. And then, be, then, you know, trying to be able to go from that type of a call to the next one where you're, you know, how do you how do you actually do that? You go from like, let's say a level 10 call where you're trying to save someone's life. What's the next decompression stage look like so that you can take the call from, 
you know, and I don't do this, but like someone who's calls and says, Hey, I, I can't get in my car cause I lost my keys. Like, how do you not just freaking lose it on that person? You know, like what, what is that process? Can so, you even, can you take a break? Like if you have one of those crazy if, calls, if, like, yeah. And as a matter of fact, it's encouraged that we do. If, if we have something that's like that, um, you know, um, me in a training capacity, if I can tell that you're taking like a hard one, like, uh, just towards the end of last year, it was the beginning of, no, it had to been towards the end of 2019, I want to say. Um, the person next to me was taking a stabbing call where mom's boyfriend was just thrusting a knife into mom's chest over and over and over, and the kids had to call 911. And Oof. and she was a mother herself. And and Jeez. I could tell that that one was, I mean, even just <laughs> sit, sitting next to her, just hearing her yeah. take the call, I mean, it got me anxious. And I was like, I can't even imagine what she's going through, you know? Right. And then so... Right. As soon as that call was over, we got responders on scene and and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I why don't you go get some fresh air? Or why, why don't you go? Yeah, why don't you just go take you know take a quick 10, 15 minute break or right. whatever? And so it, it is encouraged that if it, that we do that if we need to. Um, for me personally, uh, I utilize a method of meditation that's called shift and breathe. So when I go from those high priority calls and it will, and don't get me wrong, if I have like a level 10 where, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing something <laughs> like that, where it's children screaming that mm-hmm, right. they're watching mother die, you know, I'll probably need to go outside and get some fresh air myself, right. you know? Yeah. And, and so, and, and, you know, I, I'm not a smoker, but there's sometimes where I take a call and it's just, you look around and you're like, does anyone have a cigarette? Cause yeah. holy cow, yeah. I'm shaking, you know? <laughs> yep. But I utilize a method called shift and breathe. It's a method of meditation. Um, it took a really long time to get good at it, but basically what it is, is you close your eyes while you take a very deep breath in and you imagine, um, one of the like just quietest or happiest places that you've ever been in your entire life. And it is vividly as you possibly can. And then you exhale and then, you know, it, if you get really good at it, you can do it in a matter of like a second or two. Hmm. Uh, it still takes me a little bit of time. You know, I, I do about three or four seconds and I'll take a sip of water and I just reset. And then you just have to remember that, um, I actually had a coworker tell me this. So, uh, shout out to her, but she said, um, you got to remember that it's not your emergency. It's their emergency. Right. So, you know, you know, maybe that dog is still tough. Yeah. Maybe that dog has been keeping them up for three days straight and they've got like, I don't know, college finals or something next sure. day. And they are stressed out. Like it's not my emergency, it's their emergency. So right. while yeah. so while it makes me roll my eyes, I still have to treat this caller with the same dignity and respect that I would want, you know, my mom or my dad to, For sure. to get when they call nine one one. So sometimes that can be challenging and those are all things that you gotta keep in the back of your mind. As least biased as possible, basically. Yes, right. exactly. I mean, right. Exactly. That's challenging. I mean it's I can't imagine trying to to, to handle that. That's that's gonna I mean I can't imagine just even having one of those calls. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I guess with survivors one time, just recently we had someone call in and we're not an emergency response line at all, but, um, you know, she called in and had some emergency medical concerns and hung up on me in mid conversation before I could figure out where she was, who she was, what she needed. But I knew there was an emergency happening based off the conversation and then I called back and I could at least tell she was sending it to voicemail. So I knew she was taking like an action step in place, but it wasn't until I called back and it rang and rang and rang and rang. And then went to voicemail was when I was just, I just totally lost. Yeah. Like I knew it was bad at that point. And, mm. and I mean, 
something as silly as that created an immense amount of stress for me. It's not even close to what you deal with on a, on a regular daily basis. Like that's, uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, she was able to get some help and, and be, you know, taken care of once we had figured out where they were. But, um, I mean, it's just the massive amount of, of depth from one conversation to the next is just gotta be overwhelming. I mean, how do you, even at the end of a day, like you work long hours, you work mm-hmm. crazy shifts, um, I mean, they change, I think quarterly, I think is what I've, they, yeah, they used to change quarterly, but now they change, uh, every six months for me now. Okay. So, um, unfortunately for some of the newer people, some of the newer blood, it does change a little more often. So it's a little more stable it's, once it's, you have tenure. Yes, but that's in an effort to make sure that they can get, you know, like a weekend off here and there, sure. you know, it's, you know, throw them a bone a little bit and that's like a retention effort. But yeah, so for me, mine change every six months, but when I was new, yeah, it was quarterly. I mean, how do you even, wow. like, when you come home, like, there's yeah. just going to be a mental exhaustion. Like, it's just, yeah, I mean, so, do you just days, sleep for days? Or what's what's kind of your, like, so, decompression process look like? So, uh, everyone decompresses differently, first of all, you yep. know? And so, you know, I've got some friends that will, uh, some coworkers, some friends that will go home and, you know, that's, they'll have, you know, two bowls of a sugary cereal. Yep. You know, that's that's what that's what makes them happy. Some lucky you know? charms. Just, yeah, some lucky <laughs> some charms. Lucky charms. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is where it's at. If you're not on Team CT Crunch, you can get out. Um, that's uh, so great. You know, and then, you know, you've got the people where, you know, you go home and you have two, three beers. Right. You know, and you, and then, you know, it helps you fall asleep. There's some people that, you know, had to get on medication. You know, we had... Uh, my tight group of friends at work is uh, we developed what we call the holy place and what the holy place is is a bar that served food until 12 so when we got (laughs) off work we could go grab a bite to eat and a couple of beers and we could just talk and decompress as a whole and you know kind of complain if you will and then you know and then in an hour and a half we're all walking out of the bar together and we all already feel better you know so your own sports structure yeah exactly and uh thank you for bringing that up that's what i wanted to say is it's what it's really about in all aspects of mental health, in my personal opinion, and not just, you know, um, I don't use this aspect even just for only alone my job, just my entire mental health, is it's about building a big and reliable support system. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. having the ability to know that, you know, I had a really bad day at work, but I know that I can call Brad and I can yep. talk to Brad about it. Or, you know, I just... You know, maybe I'm ha- I'm dealing with my own things. I'm really stressed out about you know this aspect in my life, and you know, you know, like I had to buy a new washer and dryer this year, and yeah. that took six weeks for me to get, and I'm running out of clothes, you know, and right. so, or you know, the fact that I purchased furniture and that got delayed another three months, like Good old oh, COVID, yeah, yeah, exactly, and then all the COVID yeah. stuff, and then all the racial tension, and all the political stuff, and everything. It was just a bad year for everybody, in my right, opinion. Right, right. No, and so, me knowing that, yeah, I can call Brad, or I can give Jerry a text, or you know, I can, you know, I, I can call. Yeah, just I have this, this vast, you know, support system that that can help me out. That's really what it's about. Yep. And so, yeah, so that's what we do at work. Is you know, we have our support system. Like, I know if I have, if I'm having a really bad day, I have a tremendous de- deputy director. I can go into her office and she'll. Why don't you lay down? Let's talk. You know, and so she's got a nice couch. So. So does she have a couch? Yeah, she's, she's right, got nice. she's got a little couch. So yeah, I'm not laying on her floor. You know, teach her own. I'm curled up on her desk like a cat. Yeah, like, you know, um, that's so that's so cool though. And then one of our previous guests too, it was you know build the village, and, and in your case, it's the support system. But I think I think a lot of people don't 
really understand the breadth of how important that is. And we've talked in previous episodes about, I always call it pull the cork off, you know, like you got to pull the cork off and just let some pressure out. And, and even though I think it can be tricky, like, you know, you guys and gals getting together at the restaurant, having, you know, uh, some food and quote unquote bitching about the day, you can definitely look at that from a negative connotation of like, oh, all we do is get together and bitch about our jobs. But actually the reality of it is that's probably a really good thing. Yeah. Like pulling that cork off and just going blah and letting right. it out is is huge, man. And then yeah, when you get home and then everybody else's coping mechanisms mm-hmm. are are different. But that's I think that's such an important thing. So and building that village, that I'd, support system, and just being able to sometimes I know for me, like if I've got stuff going on, I don't really want or need a solution. I need to just call Brad or you and go, Ugh, yeah, and that's just yeah. unloaded. And, and, <laughs> I, and I love that analogy that you use too, because I've been told or how I've compared it to in the past was, you know, it's like bottling things up, but eventually yeah. that bottle gets full. Right. You yep. know, and so where does that go? So it's really important to, as you said, I, re- I like that. I'm probably going to take that uncork, let some of that pressure out and let it go. And so, yeah, yep. yeah it's, it's really important. It's what, part of what we do. Well, it's exemplified in this situation, I think, where, you know, how many people are going to be able to relate to what you're doing? So I think getting together with coworkers is almost probably more important because they can at least understand what you're going through and mm-hmm. provide, you know, a reasonable level of understanding and, and advice. Because if you came to me, I'd be like, well, I can't relate to it at all. It's like, what did you do today? Well, I sat at my desk and made a few phone calls, sent some emails, and uh, the worst thing I dealt with was I heard the word no. So I read out of my favorite post-it notes. Yeah, right. I read out of my favorite post-it notes. (laughs) Well, it's so so interesting, too, because we were talking a little bit before you got here. You kind of got here midstream on what we were talking about. We were talking about business stuff, you know, and companies and how Mm. different. So from just the non-educated person on what you do, sort of you have this preconceived notion that, okay, well, you know, you do quote unquote one thing during the day, which yes, technically you do. You take calls and dispatch and try to help out. But the breadth of that, when you peel away the initial layer of the one thing you do, you're like trying to manage your emotions. You're trying to save people's lives you're trying to keep them out of danger or help them and then on the other hand you've got people you know again calling in about you know the the dog barking or the keys and not not that those aren't important but like the the breadth of what you have to do in that one thing is like 50 different jobs in one you know and so it's it's pretty incredible thinking about that because i think again on the outset you just go oh you're just you're sitting in a room and not to downplay it but you're sitting Mm -hmm. in a room taking calls sure I could easily see how the vast majority of public just sort of doesn't give that depth of you know realism to it of, of what you're going credit to. at all yeah. or, or I mean, credit the, for the it, depth yeah. of thought that it deserves in yeah, a way. I mean, yeah, you're dealing with just as I mean you're not face to face with them, but you're still dealing with just as much stress. I mean, you're, almost a, you're almost a hostage negotiator in some situations. I mean, for sure, before yeah. anyone's able to even begin the hostage negotiation yeah. process. I mean, it's yeah. you really are. I mean front line in my opinion i mean i don't right. think front line should start with just the police officer or the firefighter it should start with the 911 service i mean it really right. should and i don't well, think that there's that common understanding i mean until this point and having conversations with you i would have said a police officer yeah or a firefighter was mm-hmm. but i think you know the first place you call i mean the first every emergency starts for the most part with 911 yeah, service. yeah you gotta call 911 and you know again not to take any credit away from any of the responders no. but you know you get that hostage situation well what information did the responders have if they're not if I'm not on the phone with them first? You know, they right. don't know how many people are inside the house. What what about right. weapons? How many people are, uh, you know, 
technically hostage takers here sure. in this situation. You know, that's that's all information that it's my job to to gather and relay quickly and accurately to yep. the responders. You know, um, well, not to go kind of too CSI with it, I guess. Even just hearing noises in the background, I mean, could give absolutely. you kind of an insight into what's really kind of happening, and they can have that knowledge before they go in. Yeah, absolutely. Would yeah. be, I mean, you see it kind of on movies, but I mean, I'm right. sure that. I mean, yeah, yeah, you've dealt yeah with it. It's, it, it has happened before too. You know where it's just, you know, you hear that noise and you just, are you there alone? You know, and right. it's just, and it goes, and it goes. Um, well, no. And I was like, oh, well, who's there with you? You know, and right. Start to figure that out, and then you know, it's almost like piece a puzzle together a little bit yeah, to build a picture. Yeah, big, it's, on some on some calls, yeah, absolutely, it is. It's a, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, you get the person that calls in. They says, uh, you know, like I need to order a pizza. And you just you take a second. You know, just going to ask you about yeah. that because what, that's such a cool, interesting thing that I think is important. Yeah, you know, go so, ahead. So what you want to say is, well, this isn't a pizza place, dummy. You should call Domino's. You know, that's right. what you want to say. But then you realize, like, but it's code, right? Like, it's, it's not like <laughs> written in. It's not like an understood law anywhere. But you realize that, like, they know that they are not calling a pizza place. That's what right. it boils down to. And so that's when you kind of got to use inquisitive and you say, okay, well, where would you like this pizza delivered? You know. Then you got their address, and that's fifty percent of it right there. It's where right. am I sending my help? Right. Where, how can I help you? And then it's yes or no questions. After that, it says, "Is there someone there that you can't talk to me about freely?" Yes. Okay. Is it? I'm going to ask you yes or no questions, and you just answer them best you can. Yeah. And then it's just yeah. Is it a man or a, or is it a man? Yes. Uh, do you have a relationship with this person? Yes. Okay. Are there any weapons in the home? No. Okay. Perfect. And so you know. Yeah. And then I can go on from there. So it's not like. Hmm. I've never heard it like an unwritten rule, but it is sort of an unwritten rule that people know that you call 911 and, you know, if you have sort of like a crazy outlandish request, you know, again, you can't be like, oh, well, you got the wrong number, dummy. Like I just took (laughs) like one of the hardest calls in my career. You have to realize like they know that they did not call a pizza place or an auto parts store or, you know, they know that they didn't do that. And so you got to work together. Like what Brad said, you got to you got to build the puzzle out of the little pieces that you have as best ah, you so can. So interesting. Yeah. Huh. Maybe in, in obviously there's things that you can't share, but can you give us, I mean, we're kind of talking about it too, but like maybe a spectrum of, you know, one of your most fulfilling calls, one of your hardest calls, like one of your, you know, like, one of your craziest calls. Sure. When you, yeah, maybe so, one of your craziest so calls. I've, I've got plenty of those. Without and, sharing my name, what yeah, 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 Jerry Cook called on March 4th of 1939. It's so, it actually kind of feels like I'm in dispatcher company because it always kind of comes down to that when you meet other dispatchers from other agencies and just you slowly start to snowball in and be like, well, I took this yep. one. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the, the very first medical call that I ever took in my career was a... Injury accident rollover that turned into a suicidal subject that turned into a stabbing. That was the very first medical call that I oh, ever wow. took in my Jeez. entire life. That's quite the evolution. This lady was yeah. behind this vehicle. The car just suddenly jerks off the interstate, rolls. She pulls over. She calls me. She pulls over. She's checking on this guy. And she goes, oh, I think he might be suicidal. And I said, okay, well, what makes you think he's being suicidal? Because he's... Uh, slashing a knife at everyone saying get away or i'll kill myself and i'm like oh okay yeah that certainly changes this i said okay well where's the where's the knife and she goes and now it's in its chest oh so in a in a matter of 
seconds in, in a moment it just it just turned from like an injury crash to this person needs psychological help to now this person needs dire medical help right right yeah and so like it just evolved that was the very first medical call i ever took wow <laughs> so how far so, in were you at that point oh goodness i was still in training i had um my training coordinator was like i wasn't even released from training yet I was still in like the classroom training yep. portion. Um, so that's intense. I just throw my the, hands up like Peter Griffin and said, done and done, walked out. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the really challenging ones that I took, this was, I was relatively new in my career was I had this woman call in on the phone. She called in nine one one and I could tell she was a little bit older. I don't want to say elderly, but older. And she was absolutely hysterical. It just, streaming bawling and just yelling into the phone and the phone would get set down and i could just hear her wailing in the background i'm like okay something terrible has obviously happened here mm-hmm. and i'm doing the best i can and it takes probably two three minutes for me to finally even get her address so i know where to send help which is an eternity right i mean oh, two yeah, three oh, minutes yeah, on a yeah, call is yeah like... on a call that's an eternity, especially during like a, a, a dire life and death emergency three minutes right. is yeah lifetime <clears> like you said and she is just wailing. And I finally get her calm enough. I'm like, ma'am, you need to take some breaths. Let's, I need to help you. I want to help you. Just tell me what's going on. And I find out she had bed bugs. Hmm. I thought someone was getting murdered in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> she that wasn't where bugs. I thought it was going at all. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just like, whew. and then I have to decompress. And I'm like, okay, here's the number for the Department of Health. <laughs> And yeah. that's it, you know? Yeah. And so it goes back to what's your emergency compared to what's my emergency. Like, I, right. I thought some something truly, truly awful was happening. Truly, truly awful. But that was her emergency was she had bed bugs. Jeez. And so, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do, you know, like bleeding control right. or CPR <laughs> right, instructions right. with her. I'm, re- I'm ready to go. Dispatching paramedics, dispatching yeah. police I, officers. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to send everybody, you yep. know, lights yeah. and sirens. I'll, I'll deploy the National Guard if I have to. Yep. But, but no, just, oh yeah, bed bugs. Yeah. That, yeah, that would be pretty intense. Calling me for bed bugs. And mm-hmm. what, what's like maybe, you know, we t- I know you and Brad kind of talked more too, but like, and you mentioned this last year, which, you know, in this last year, we've had COVID, we've had, um, you know, political unrest, we've had, um, you know, you could say racial unrest, but, you know, riots and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, what's that been like for you to go through? Um, and maybe what are some of the you know high points of it? What are some of the low points? How do you deal with it? I know I'm asking tons of questions, but like give us an idea from your perspective. Like what's last dumpster fire of 2020 and start of 2021 been like in perfect in your analogy, world? Jerry? Perfect analogy. <laughs> it has been a dumpster fire and a smelly one on top of that. Yeah, 2020 was terrible like it was just all around terrible you know like you said the political tension the racial tension the the, all the civil unrest the covid um and then you know again probably goes back to like the political views but then there's the people about the whole mask and not masked and and just everything and so it was really hard on me but not just me as a person it was also really hard on my agency this year we also lost um i think it was like 11 to 13 full-time employees so Jeez, wow. ma- ma- almost mandatory overtime weekly. Um, yeah. You know, there's a pandemic going on. So even if I can somehow get time off, I can't do anything. What's an average staff kind of look like, I guess? So full time, like all shifts, I think there's 48 of us. Jeez, okay. Yeah, so, and so we lost wow. like yeah, we were down to 25%. Like, we, yeah, we were down to like 31, 32 of us. Like, wow. It was to the point where um, our management, if if they still had their like 
EMD accreditation to take calls, they were on the floor helping, like if they could. Wow. So, wow. yeah, it was nuts. And then, so, you know, you just had um, all that. So, like I said, if you can somehow find time to take off, it's not like you could do anything because the world was shut down. Right. Uh, you know, and then you got all that mandatory overtime. Yeah. Um, there's no work from home program. No, absolutely not. Yeah, no. They, yeah. they can't give me. I mean, because you know that CAD computer aided dispatch system is oh, yeah. is pretty sensitive information that we can't right. You know, be giving out to people. Plus, you know, radio towers and you know all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, no. So yeah, I I still had to go to work every single day. I didn't get to work yeah, from home. I didn't right. have the luxury of you know. Nope. Not having to put on pants and just do my job right. from home, you know, that, that's would have been showing up without pants. Yeah, on. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I might, I might have had a couple meetings with our human resources lady, but uh, if you're short staff, you know what? I'll, I'll deal with no pants. Like <laughs> at least it'll come in pajama pants, yeah, you know, like, something. Yeah, well, <laughs> a little boost. We can do with HR here. after yeah. we get through yeah. the shift. Yeah, I'll talk to HR lady about this later. But yeah. Um, yeah, this year sucked, you know, and then, you know, on a more personal note, I went through, um, a breakup that was pretty hard on me and it just, just this whole year just really kind of snowballed and it got out of control. And, uh, towards the end of the year there, um, the beginning of winter or whatever, I I started to notice that, you know, I'm, I'm irritable. I, I'm not happy. I'm oversleeping. And if I'm not oversleeping, then I'm not sleeping at all. Um, uh, it's it was to the point to me where I was consuming alcohol more regularly. Not that I was drinking to the point of intoxication. I was drinking my three to four beers because it would help me sleep. And you know when you're using alcohol as a as a nighttime medicine, that's a big problem. A, yeah, even, yeah. At, even at that level, three, yeah. you know, three beers a night, which mm-hmm. some people would say, oh, not a big deal. But yeah, again, it's, it's for a, some. Yeah, for someone that doesn't you know drink that much, it, it, yeah. it can be. And so. Uh, this year was was really hard on me that uh, I decided that I needed to actually go get professional help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke to you about it. I started seeing yep. work set me up with um, uh, some some counselors that I got to speak to, and due to COVID, I had to call them on the phone. You know, so I, right. I wasn't even having like this face to face interaction with these people, yeah. which I feel like that sort of scenario, that sort of situation where you know you're kind of you know spilling your guts, so to speak should be a more intimate interaction than, you know, than me chatting phone. on the phone on my way into work, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I had to go see a doctor about my anxiety attacks, you know, and said I got medicated and all these things that I never thought could happen to me. Never. I was like, yeah, I mean, I understand that, you know, mental illness is, is a disease. Like you wouldn't give, like you wouldn't let a diet, diabetic person go without their insulin right so Mm. why was i so like oh i don't need that that's not for me and then so it finally took probably a good month or two of me just really wallowing that i decided i was like okay i need to go get help and so i I, you know i i sought the help i i took the medication i'm feeling better um i'm still really sleepy but i think that's just because of the (laughs) overall stress of my job you know it's just really nice to lay in that bed you know I've got a tremendous dog who's a big sweetheart. She's a big softie. She loves to cuddle. She helps a tr- she helps a ton. And so this whole year just, you know, it it absolutely sucked. And so I'm really I'm really hoping that 2021 we start to come out of this, you know, uh look, they're rolling out vaccines. Um there's still quite a bit of political unrest, but hopefully people can come to some sort of understanding here. Right. And uh you know, we can be uh uh, coexisting society 
Yep. Again, because we need it. Because yeah, yeah we need it. Need it. I need it. Yeah, your town <laughs> needs it. Brad needs it. Jerry needs it. We right. all. I mean, that's hundred percent. I mean, it's twenty. Well, I mean, our first episode's the dumpster fire of twenty twenty. So it's, right. it's. I mean, it. You're right. Twenty twenty <laughs> was just a. It was no a matter terrible, how you terrible slice year. it, yeah, dice it. It was just everybody. I, just everyone I know. It was just easily the worst year of their life. Yeah. You know, it's just everything, just everything. Right. No, I. And then it's all the stuff that's on top of that too. You know, like I told you, like the washer and dryer. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have clean clothes for so long, and you know, and then you know my furniture. Like yep. I, I didn't get furniture forever, and you know, and I'm not the only one, you know, having those problems. And then on the grand scale, those are pretty minuscule things. And you know, I, and then I have to realize that like, there's gotta be people out there that have it way worse than this. Right. But. Yeah. I think that perspective is always important. You know, it's not, it's not that it's not frustrating, but it's not, you know, sometimes we joke about first world problems. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. not having your own wash and dryer. Like, you know, you can still go to, you know, the laundromat, the laundromat or something or like or that or whatever. Or something, but, yeah. but the thing is like when you're in a high stress situation like that and what you want to do is come home and have your routine and go, okay, well, like for me, I hate washing my clothes, but it only takes an hour to do or whatever it is, you know, so like I just do it. But like when you can't do it at your house at the time that works for you, it's this additional stressor and all this other stuff. So, you know, even though it's in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty minute deal. But it, it sort of adds, you know, we we're talking yeah, about it, like the bottle filling up or the right. cup filling up. I it mean, could it just, be the, the, the straw that breaks. Not my emergency. Yeah. It could yeah. be the straw, The straw right. that breaks the camel's back, you know. And it's, it's funny that you said that. So we were sitting here talking. Um, uh, our city did have um, uh, riots. Um, yep. uh, George George Floyd. Yep. George mm-hmm. Floyd riots in our city. And, and I was working that day. And I was only supposed to be in work for eight hours. I ended up working a 13-hour day because of the riots. And I refused to leave. I needed to be there, you know. Right. You know, and that's another thing I'll touch on real quick is like, you know, they're not just police officers. They're not just paramedics. They're not just firefighters. That's someone else's family. That's mom, brother, Absolutely. husband. Right. And my friend. You right. know, I consider them friends. I, you know, I'll go out to them. I go to their weddings. I right. go, I go to their housewarming parties. You know, they are my friends. Right. And so, you know, to hear them on the radio in a in a great deal of panic, I felt an overwhelming need that I need to help these people. And so, going back to the story where you know the theoretical straw that breaks the camel's back was the next day. I came into work and I had made pasta and I love to eat pasta. And I go to get it from the fridge and we didn't have any forks. And I just, I came completely unglued and I just, I I had an anger outburst. I'm like, how in the, how am I supposed to eat my, we don't have any silverware. And I'm just, and I'm losing it and I'm losing, I'm like really starting to break. And I just, I'm like, am I really going to be that guy that's throwing a temper tantrum because we don't have any forks? Like that I have plenty of other options that I can use here that utilize, but you know, I just went from that super high stress day the day before and then. I, you know, I decompress and then, you know, I made myself one of my favorite meals and I'm, you know, I'm all excited to eat it and then I can't eat it. And then that yeah. was, that was just one of those things that hit me right. and it's just like, so frustrating. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, you, you, yeah, you really got to take, take care of your mental health. Well, on a side note, I am the guy that throws a fit over not having a fork so <laughs> I, was, I was doing I just, my best to keep it I just, yeah, yeah. I'd bear in with my fingers and go for it but, but you know just put face in just no but that that is such an interesting concept I mean for you know a lot of times obviously we're all you know highly involved in the suicide support community and mental wellness and all this other stuff and I think it's just from you know blush reactions from people sometimes it's like oh 
uh, they, you know, got into an argument about the the dog, you know, peed on the floor or something, and that was the thing that caused, you know, the 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 guy to, you know, to to go down the path of suicide. And like, no, that was one thing. It was a drop in the cup. It was mm-hmm. a drop in the cup. Yes, exactly. Or in the bottle that just made that sucker explode or overflow, and so. That's not really the issue. The issue is all the other shit that was in there that was causing that one little yep. thing, mm-hmm. you know, to to explode. Yeah, to make and it's that. not unlike you know pressure. You think of pressure in a anything. It can build up, build up. But you can take so much, but all of a sudden, one little point more, you know, one degree warmer, or one little extra bit of pressure, and boom, the thing blows. And it's I, I think that we work a lot the same way, you know. And I always go back to this theory of mental illness or not mental illness. If I stack enough shit on one person, they will break. Mm-hmm. Now, Talon's level and Brad's level and my level are all completely different, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. We all have a max capacity that we can deal with, and whatever the last little thing is, big or small, can complete you throw you know completely throw you over. So I, I totally get the whole man. I'm looking forward to this meal. All I want <laughs> is a fork. I just want to freaking eat now. Yeah. And like boom, you blow up. Yeah, you know? that's that's the the one thing that sends you over is yeah. Like I like that you said a drop in the cup. You know, yeah. it's just. All that stuff just builds up and builds up. And it overflows eventually. Yeah, yeah. Eventually. It's well, it's cool you have a, f- a few, uh, you know, whether coping mechanisms or whatever, just ways to kind of unleash that cork. You know, you've got that, like you said, the great community around you. Mm-hmm. You guys can go and gals can go get together and talk about it to relieve some pressure. You know, like the... Uh, kind of thinking back, taking some deep breaths and thinking about, you know, a great place, your dog, just great friend relationships. Like Mm -hmm. it's super cool to say, okay, look, you've got a very intense job, but you're very proactive in trying to manage that stress level. Cause like I just sitting here listening to you more, like I can't imagine myself doing that. I'm sort of a high wound emotional dude anyway. And like I've been in emergency situations and I can usually like maintain pretty well, but I also know it's, that day, that time, and the, you know, the next month or six months or multiple years, I'm not going through that on like literally an hourly basis mm-hmm. with someone. So it's 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 really cool, man. Some great some great mechanisms, and it's super cool to hear you say that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that too, Jerry. Um, you know, like like you said, nobody calls me when they're having the best day of their life. You know, oh, right. And so and so I, you know, I kind of got to do that. And if there's anything that I can stress again to you guys, I'm sure you guys already know, or any of the listeners, is build yourself a really good support system. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, the bigger the better, you know, because what happens if my support system is Jerry and Brad? But you know, what if what happens if they're both on the same flight? Right. right. I don't have anyone to talk to. You know, so build a big support system of, you know, people that, you know, that you can consider reliable. You know, it's that's that's what I want to stress the most is build a really good support system. Right. And, uh, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You know, I mean, if it ever gets to the point where I'm I'm not able to do this job, I'm too. I'm, you know, I I can't handle it mentally or Mm -hmm. emotionally. I, I will leave this job, even though this job is the only thing I know. I consider it my career. I plan yeah. on doing this until retirement. But if it ever gets to that point where my mental health can't handle this, right. I, I have to take care of myself first. And so, you know, I'll I'll find a new job. I'll right. greet people at right. Walmart if I have to or whatever it is, you know. But it, when you're role, you have to help yourself first so you can help everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's super critical. Yeah. That. If, if I'm not well and if I'm not sharp up here in the head, then yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really helping anybody that, no. that calls in. So. I agree. Well, I think 
you know, I kind of speak for Jerry, myself, and the listeners. And I, it, this has been an awesome conversation. I thank you, I thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I mean, we, we appreciate what you and your whole team yeah. does. Like it's super important, man. Yeah. It's it's really cool. You guys yeah. don't get enough credit. I really, I really don't think you do. We do standing ovations we for three people. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll put in some applause. Right, right. So well, I'll just sneak it in. Uh, we talked about this briefly. The uh, the first full week of April is nine one one telecommunicator week. So you know, wherever you're listening to, you know, send Show a thank some. you card or tray of cookies. You know, we always joke that dispatchers love snacks. So, <laughs> so you know, just <laughs> mouth, snacks. yeah, mouth, yeah, mouth full, cool. mouthful of treats while while I'm you know dispatching officers is the best day in the world for me. So. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. Great, great point. Well, I think call to action besides. Don't call nine one one for stupid reasons. If um, it's if it's your emergency, absolutely yep. call me. But <laughs> but but realize that you're tying up a line. Yeah, yep. I think uh, I think build a big support structure. Yeah, I that's, think. that's really what I want. You know, anyone that's listening to take away from this is it is so important. It is critical. It is vital that you build that support system because um, you know if I went through last year. And I didn't have, you know, if I didn't have my Brad's or my Jerry's or, you know, my holy place or anything, yep. anything like that, then I, who knows, man, I could be a blubbering mess and, yep. and in the insane asylum right now. Like, who knows? Like, I could, who knows? But, I, you know, thank goodness that I do have that support yeah. system because I'm still going to work and I'm still kicking butts, you know, so. Cool. Well, every time you answer the phone, they should be man. thankful, so. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, again, check us out online, societyrewired.com, all social media platforms at Society Rewired. Uh, And again, I think this is exemplified. Uh, When the sun goes down, the stars come out. So thank you, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you.